Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is one of the first psalms that I can remember reading and becoming attached to as a new Christian. Uh, sometime within that first year after I got saved, uh, I opened my Bible. I don't remember if it was through preaching, uh, someone preaching from Psalm 37 or just mean just reading Psalm 37. But uh, I became very, very attached to Psalm 37. Uh, Psalm 37 makes a, a real big deal out of who God is. Uh, basically, what Psalm 37 says is there are questions that you, don't, that you have that maybe you don't have answers to, but understand that w whether you have the answers to the questions or not, uh, God is what counts. And, and you, can, you can't always depend upon man. You can't always depend upon even, even life to be right and fair and just. But God is always right. God is always just. Uh, God is always consistent. And that's really the, just the overall theme of, uh, of Psalm 37. And you could, you could boil it down to, uh, you know, because of who God is, you can trust him. And so the title of my message this morning is just simply, God is, and we're going to take a look at four things that David has proclaimed God to be uh, as a result. Look with, look with me, if you would, let's all stand together and begin with me in, in verse 1. We'll read the first 10 verses, and then we'll drop down to uh, verse 25. Verse 1 of uh, chapter 37, if your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall... And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Now drop down with me, if you would, to verse 25. And David the psalmist says, I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you'd help us to focus our hearts and our minds this morning on who you are. Uh, Lord, uh, we can go through difficulties and trials and there can be some tumultuous circumstances that enter into our lives and, and things do not always go as planned. 
many times our schedules, our days, sometimes our, our, our days, our weeks, our months, sometimes our whole year uh, seems to go upside down. But the thing that keeps us going is the fact that we have a God who is constant and consistent and who never changes. Uh, Lord, in you there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And I'm so thankful for the fact that of just who you are and who you were to David back in the Old Testament many years ago, you can be to us today because you have not changed. Uh, God, we just pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning and help us to realize that because of your unchanging character, uh, that demands some things from us. And it, it, it causes us to have a different perspective on all of the things that go on in our lives. We pray, Father, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. And as you speak to us, may we respond to you. May decisions, even today, be made to honor and glorify the God who never changes. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. This was written, this, this whole psalm was written out of personal experience. And uh, David says, uh, uh, he says, and now I am old. Uh, he, re- he obviously wrote this in, in some of his latter years. And as he looks back over his shoulder, he realizes some things about God. And we're going to take a look at, at four things in particular that he points out. About, about God that is absolutely unchangeable. Again, uh, circumstances can vary. Uh, people can change. Um, situations can pop up at a moment's notice. But one, one thing that, that can get us through all of those things, and one of the things I notice about myself, and I've, I've, heard, I've heard countless people say the same thing, uh, the older you get, the less you like change. Uh, we, we don't like it. We just don't. And because we don't, it ought, to be, it ought to be comforting to know that you and I have a God who absolutely never changes. The, the, the person of God that David spoke about back here, uh, back many thousands of years ago, uh, is the same God that we serve today. He hasn't changed one iota. So take a look at, with me at, 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 at some things that, four things that, the, that David knew about God. He said, God is. First of all, God is trustworthy. And in verses, verses 1 through 10, he talks about the fact that, that uh, uh, you might see some things going on that you don't have answers for. You, you see people that are trying to do right and they're struggling. You see people that are evil, that are doing wickedness, that are doing wrong, and they're prospering. How in the world do you explain that? Well, that's, that's an age-old problem that has, been, that has been mulled over and over and over again. The problem of the, of the wicked prospering, while the ones that are trying to do right are suffering and struggling. And, and we see that today. You know, it, it, it almost, you know, there are times when it almost looks like the bad guys are winning. But we know what, what the end of, end of the book says. 
And uh, we know what the, what the final chapter uh, declares. And, and because God can be trusted, there's some things that are required of us. We, need, we, we have a God who is trustworthy. And because of that, there's some things that God tells us. First of all, look in verse 1. He says, fret not. Because uh, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He says, don't, don't fret. In other words, fret means that don't get agitated. Um, you know, and sometimes we violate that on a daily basis. We fret, we get agitated. Um, you know, honestly, if uh, watching the news gets you all in a, in a tither, Maybe you need to turn the stupid news off. Uh, I understand, you know, it's, it's good to be aware of what's going on in the world, but sometimes that, 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 that stuff just, because it's, it, it's so on its head today. Um, you know, the, the good is being called evil, and the evil is being called good. And I've never seen it in my lifetime like I'm seeing it today. But understand this, that regardless of what is happening in society and what's happening in the world. God is constant, God is consistent, and God is worthy of our trust. And, and the, the wicked are temporary. They're not going to be here forever. Look down in verse 2. It says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. And, and I realize sometimes you say, yeah, and it couldn't be soon enough. Well, I understand that. Uh, but uh, we're, it's going to be in God's time, not in our time. And, and it says, and wither as the green herb. Uh, they're, not, they're not here forever. And, and so therefore, because God is forever and God is worthy of our trust, fret not. You go down to verse 3, and he says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Because God is trustworthy, we ought to trust him and do right. Uh, just because other people are doing wrong, that does not mean that we should ever vary uh, one iota from doing good. Uh, you don't do good because you see results. You do good because it's right to do good and because God is true and God is, is right. And, uh, you know, like, like, in the, like in the book of Ruth, uh, uh, when there was trouble in the land, uh, in the book of Ruth, people left Israel. And they went to a, another country. They went to another land. And when they, when they did that, they did that because they, they did not remain in the land and just simply trust God. And the lack of trust uh, not only brings disobedience, but it also brings bitterness. Uh, Naomi was one of those that, with her husband, uh, left the land and uh, when, when she left, she became bitter. When she came back, they call, instead of calling her Naomi, they called her Mara, which means bitter. Uh, you know, folks that trust God are not bitter. There's a difference. And when bitterness starts, starts getting into our hearts and our lives, uh, according to, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says that not only does it hurt us, but it says many are defiled. And really what, what bitterness is, is a lack of trusting God and just believing that, uh, that, that God is worthy of our trust and God knows what he's doing. Another thing that we're told to do, look down in verse 4. 
says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. You know, one of the things I'd like to ask you this morning, what's your greatest delight? I mean, we've all got delights. We've all got things that we really enjoy. But what is your, what is your top shelf delight? What is the thing that delights you more than anything else? And the, your, your top delight ought to be the Lord. Uh, something that delights us is something that, that we get great pleasure from. Uh, to, to be delighted means to be greatly pleased with. And uh, uh, delight directs desire. Uh, what I found is those things that we, that we delight in are also those things that we, we find ourselves desiring. And right delight causes right desires. Uh, you know, God tells us if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give thee the desires of thine heart. When I, was, when I was a young Christian and I found that, it was one of the first promises that I can remember latching on to. And, uh, and I, I, I read that wrong. Uh, I, I read that to, to, to mean, you know, if, if you'll, uh, if you'll uh, de delight in the Lord, he'll give you anything you want. Well, that's, that's somewhat true, but it's true because of this, because the right kind of delight will change your desires. And your desires, if they were wrong uh, to begin with, they'll get, they'll get rectified, they'll get right. Uh, because you can't, you can't delight in God and then desire the wrong things at the same time. And in fact, if there, if there are some desires that you have that are ungodly, there's some things that you are struggling with that, that you find yourself uh, desiring, it's because your delight's not in the right place. Uh, when you delight in God, it changes your desires and, uh, and, and rectifies those desires. Look down at verse 5. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Why commit your, your way to the Lord? Because you can trust him. Uh, you, can, you can give him your life. You can give him your plans. You can give him your desires. And, and you know that they're in good hands. The Bible says, uh, casting all your care upon, upon him, for he careth for you. Uh, one of the things you, you can absolutely go to the bank on is that God cares about you. And because he cares about you, you can, you can take all the, the cares of this world that you have and you can cast them upon him because, because you know you can trust him with those things and that he'll, he'll, bring, he'll, 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 he'll take care of those things and, and bring the right things to pass in your life. Down in verse 7, uh, he goes on and he says, Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. He says, he says to, to rest and, and to wait for him. We rest in him and then we wait for him. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes that's tough. We don't always get immediate answers to our prayers. Uh, we were... Uh, we're talking about different blessings in Sunday school this morning, the very beginning of our class, and and uh, uh, someone made a, a comment about uh, how that uh, he's prayed and asked God for certain things, and sometimes we forget 
about all the answers to prayer that we've had. And so therefore, he started writing some of those things down so he could go back and just be reminded of how good God has been. Now, those answers don't always come right away. Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait quite a while before those, those answers come to pass. But, but regardless, because God can be trusted, uh, we, we need to, to rest in him and wait for him. And then down in verse 8, he says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Uh, the, the, the wrath of, of man bringeth not the righteousness of God. It never does. He says, he says stop the anger, stop the wrath, forsake the wrath. And, and why? Well, because vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And then you look down in verse 9 and 10, and he tells, tells us why we can do that, why we should stop the anger and the wrath, because God's going to take care of it. Verse 9 says, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. In other words, God's taking care of things. And, and God tells us that because he is trustworthy, we ought not to fret, we ought to trust and do good, we ought to delight in him, we ought to commit our ways to him, rest and wait for him, and then cease from anger. And, and forsake wrath because, because he has things under control. And, and he always has and he always will. Second thing that, that David observed about God was that God is understanding of our situations. Look with me in verses 11 down through verse 20. Verse 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken." A little that a righteous man hath is better than the, the riches of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken. But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs, and they shall consume into smoke shall they consume away. Uh, God, God understands what we're dealing with. And the way that he tells us to handle those things is found in verse 11. It says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Uh, the answer to that is, is when things are out of your control, uh, have a meek spirit. And a meek spirit is just simply a spirit that is surrendered to God, where we, we take those things that are, that are out of our hands and we surrender them to him. Uh, we put them under God's control, knowing that God knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything in between. 
And, and God will take care of it. Again, going to that verse, uh, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Uh, when you do that, you know that because he understands your situation, he will take care of it. When you know that he understands and is in control, you can cast your care upon him. You can, you can, you can take what you have and surrender it to God and know that it's in good hands. Um, if, if you go back with me over to verse 11, it says, but the, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. That's what meekness gives you. A meek and surrendered spirit. When we give up our rights to God, uh, that, that, gives us, uh, th that gives us an abundance of peace. Keep your finger here and go with me to the book of Colossians and the book of Philippians. Colossians chapter 3 and Philippians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 3 and Philippians chapter 4. Those two books are right next to one another, so it should be easy for you. Colossians chapter 3, look down in verses 12 through 15. Colossians 3, 12. It says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, uh, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Um, down in verse uh, 14, and above all these things put on charity, which is a bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. When we have a forgiving spirit, when we have a trusting spirit, when we cast our care upon God, what, what God does is he gives us that peace that only he can give. Regardless of what's going on around us, God is the author of peace. Go with me over to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, look in verses 6 and 7. It says, be careful for nothing. Full of care, that means don't worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One of the things that gives us peace is our prayer life. Just uh, taking those things that concern us and, and giving them to God and asking those requests of him, knowing that he is trustworthy, knowing that he is consistent, and knowing that he cares for us and knowing that he understands where we are and what's going on in our lives. And we can do that and God, God gives us Peace. God gives us peace. Um, you know, the uh, Bible talks about the throne of grace. Take, take your Bibles, go with me if you would, over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Go to Hebrews 4. This passage of Scripture has been a comfort to me over and over and over again in my Christian life because it... it helps us understand that we can take anything to God. It doesn't make any difference what it is. 
You can take it to God, and God, God not only hears us, but he, he understands us. By the way, there is a, there's a new advertising campaign. If you watched any of the, um, any of the Super Bowl, uh, it, uh, it showed up at the Super Bowl, and it's talking about God, and it says, He gets us. Now, can I tell you what the, what the underlying uh, impression I get from that, that thing? He gets us. He knows we're a mess, so that's okay with him. No, it's not okay with him. <laughs> no, it's, it, it doesn't give you an excuse for sin. Yes, he does get us. <laughs> I, I agree with that part of it. But not in the, in the sense that, that they seem to imply. Yes, he gets us. He knows what we're going through. Why? Well, because God became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and he took on human flesh, and therefore he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And that's what it talks about in Hebrews chapter 4. Look in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest talking about Jesus Christ, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and here's, here's, the, here's the important part, yet without sin. And he was touched with, with those things, yet without sin, so that he can help us to go through those things and not sin as well. But the way that we do that is by coming to the throne of grace. And he says in verse 16, let us therefore, based upon that, because God knows what we're going through, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, I was reading here just recently about about uh, in the Old Testament, when uh, someone inadvertently slew someone, a person died at another person's hand, and it was not an intentional thing. There was no hatred in their heart. Uh, to, to avoid uh, relatives from coming and getting vengeance on the deal, God set up in the promised land, set up cities of refuge, and those were, those were cities that, that uh, people could flee to uh, in situations like that. Uh, I have often uh, thought of that, that throne of grace that God talks about in, in Hebrews chapter 4. That throne of grace is a, is a throne of refuge for you and for me. Uh, it's a place where we can go when, when, we're, when we're overcome with fear, when we're overcome with problems. When, when situations seem to be so far beyond our control, uh, we can go to God and not only does he hear, not only does he listen, uh, not only does he answer our prayers, but he gets it, he understands. He understands. Why? Well, because he became flesh and dwelt among us. You think, you think about Christianity. That's one of the one of the many differentiations between, between the Christian faith and any other, any other faith, our God left heaven and came down here, took on human flesh, and said, listen, I'm going to go through what you go through. I'm going to experience what you experience. 
And he did. And then he, then he, he took on our sin. He was totally guiltless, totally, to, totally uh, pure, totally right. He was completely holy, and yet he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He understood the damage firsthand that sin can do because he took those sins to Calvary. And that's the God that you and I have the privilege of meeting at the throne of grace every day. Woo! Woo! You know what? Uh, that's a God who understands us, understands what we're going through. I, you know, I, I love that. I love the, the passages. In fact, we're just talking about it this morning. The uh, Bible says that uh, all flesh is grass. And God knows that. Uh, God says that he knows that we are dust. <laughs> he knows what he's working with. Uh, he knows how those things can affect us. And because of that, because he understands, we can go, we can go to him and we can, we can be absolutely assured that he cares for us because he understands what we're going through. Another thing about, about what God is, look with me in verses, uh, go back to chapter 37 of the book of Psalms and look with me in verses, uh, verses 21 through 31. Verse 21 says, The wicked boweth and, and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such, as are, uh, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful." And lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. You know, God is a, is a benevolent God. Um, he's, he's known for a desire to, to uh, want to do good to his people. And, and in verse, verse 27, it tells us because that's true, we ought to depart from evil and we ought to do good. His responsibility is take care of us, and he does. You know, have you, have you, since you've been saved, have you ever just looked over your shoulder and, and looked and seen time after time after time how God has provided for you, how God has encouraged you, how God has put the right people at the right places at the right time just to be a help to you? And I, I, look, I look back over the, the, year, the years, and, and uh, as I believe it's this coming Tuesday, I'm going to be 55 years old in the Lord. I'm an, uh, I'm an, I'm an old fella in the Lord. And uh, uh, those, those years are piling up fast. But, but I look back over those 55 years, and I see God being faithful over and over and over again. Why? Because he's bent 
to do good. He's, 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 he has a desire to be a help and a blessing to us. He wants what's best for us. Um, you know, uh, when, when I was young, Lord, I used to look at the things that God told us that we need to do and not do and stay away from and so forth. I, I, I used to look at those as restrictions. And there were times when my attitude was, well, what's the matter, Lord? Don't you want us to have any fun? <laughs> you know? No, that wasn't the motivation at all. He wanted to do good to us. You know, uh, I've used the illustration before, but we've had, we've had dogs over the years, and we keep our dogs, anytime we've had a dog, we keep it on a leash. Why? Well, it's not because we, we want to be able to have control as much as it is we want to protect them. Uh, we, we had this crazy dog that uh, was one of the, I think it was the first one that we owned. It was in Green Bay. And uh, his name was King. That was short for King James. That's what we called him. We called him King James. And uh, uh, the, the, uh, th that dog, we had, a, we had a, uh, a backyard that had a fence all the way around it. The fence was up about this high. You know what that dog did? That dog climbed the fence, not jumped it, climbed it. I watched it one time. He, 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 uh, he put his paws up there, and then he took his back legs, and he did one of these things. And he just he kind of shimmied up the, the picket fence, got to the top of the fence, and now he's got all four paws up there, and he goes, boom, 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 and he took off. But you know what? Every time he took off, he put himself in danger. That fence wasn't there to restrict. That fence was there to protect because we knew that he didn't have a whole lot of sense, kind of like you and me, you know, don't have a whole lot of sense. And uh, he we were trying to protect him from the dangers that were without. Well, that's God. Uh, anything that God does for us, he does for good. We, you know, we, we often quote Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Why do they work together for good? Because we've got a God who is a good God who wants good for us. And he's watching over us. And, and you can know that. Uh, Psalm 56 in verse 9 says, uh, the psalmist said, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. Why? For God is for me. If you just get that in your, in your head, God is not trying to oppose you. Trying, God's trying to help you. Uh, it may seem at times like God is opposing you, but the truth of the matter is he's usually just protecting us and watching over us and, and trying to be a help and a blessing to us. Uh, you, look at, you look at verse 23 in uh, Psalm 37 again, and it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Uh, verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. He's trying to do good. He's trying to help us. Verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread? He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. So, so God is bent on trying to be a blessing to us. God is benevolent. And then last of all, God, God is just in his judgment all the time. Look in verses 32 
down through the end of the chapter. Verse 32 says, The wicked watching the righteous, watcheth the righteous, and, and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. God, God is always just in his judgment. Now, he doesn't always act when we think he ought to act, but he's always just in his judgment. And because he is, this is what we need to do. According to verse 34, it says, wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall, he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. He says, wait on the Lord. Not just wait for the Lord, but wait on the Lord. That means we need to, to trust him and we need to keep his way. We need to continually do right. Over and over again in each of these, these sections, the, uh, the emphasis has been not only, not only to trust him and not only to realize that, that he is just, but always to do that which is right. There is never a circumstantial reason to ever do wrong. It's never right to do wrong in order to do right. That's just, that's just never the way that God works. And the conclusion of the whole matter by the time you get down to verse 40 is that, that God can be trusted. You can absolutely, implicitly uh, trust him. And in verse 40, he says that, says, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. Uh, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. That's the overall, really the overall theme is that uh, God needs to be trusted. So there's, there's, there's four things that, that David says that God is. Uh, he is trustworthy. Uh, therefore, what do we need to do? We need to trust him. We need to, to, to obey him and do that which is right. Secondly, he says he's understanding. So what, what should we do? Because he's understanding. We ought to surrender. We ought to be meek before God. God is always right. And if I disagree with God, I'm always wrong. And I need to be surrendered. I need to be meek before God and take my desires and, and my plans and give them to him. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I've always had a problem with, but but particularly when I was younger, and God has worked on, on that over the years, is being flexible, just being flexible. Uh, again, when we, have, when we have a goal, when we have something that we want to see, see done, uh, we don't like change to come in and mess things up. And what you have to always be ready for is, is, is that God, uh, if, if you want to change things, you have the right to do that. Probably 
the biggest arguments I've ever had for, with, with God is when something has changed and I don't want to deal with it. And I think we've all been there. What that is, is that's a lack on my part of a, of a meek spirit. And what I need to do is I need to, every time that happens, is I need to take my plans and my desires and surrender them to God and say, listen, God, I want not what I want, but I want what you want. And then thirdly, he's, he's a benevolent God. He wants the best for us. So therefore, I ought to depart from evil and I ought to do good. And then last of all, he's just in judgment. So we need to wait on him. We need to serve him. We don't need to, to waver. We need to be consistent because our God is consistent. And he's consistent because he never changes. And, and because he is trustworthy, understanding, benevolent, and just in judgment, you can always trust and depend in him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful that I serve a God who absolutely never changes. There are things that come into our lives that we don't understand. There are things and situations that sometimes cause us fits. And they cause us those fits because we try to handle them in our own wisdom. We try to handle them sometimes in our own power. And God, what you're doing is just putting us in a situation where we have to surrender to you. We have to grab a hold of some meekness and scrap our own plans and scrap our own desires and just simply trust you. Lord, uh, this, this entire psalm just over and over and over again re reiterates the fact that our God is a God worthy of our trust. I pray, Lord, just speak to our hearts this morning. And if there's any area where, where we've violated the worthiness of your trust, that you'd help us to realize it, confess it as sin, and then determine that we have a God who's worthy of trust. We, we have a God who understands where we're coming from and only wants the very, very best for us. Father, do what only you can do in, in this invitation. Work in our hearts. And God, as you speak to us, help us to respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.